Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. This is episode number 83. We are going to be talking about abortion today. This is a heavy, heavy topic in the life of the church, in the life of our culture, but we got to talk about it. This is a series that we've been going through called Counterculture. Last time we talked about the gospel and poverty, and today we're going to be talking about abortion. Before we do, thank you for all of you that listen. Please like, share, subscribe to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Make it a part of your daily routine. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. Well, I've been going through a book. I read a book not too long ago called Counterculture. Just powerful, going through all these hot topics that we're dealing with as believers and followers of Jesus in America today. Oh, and where do we stand? What do we say? What do we not say? And so I want to take you through some information and I'll give you my opinion and my take. And uh, one other thing too, I forgot to mention, man, our last episode, we had guest missionaries, Brian and Laura Anderson before that, uh, missionary Mike Ash. So would you go listen to some of the other podcasts that we have? They're all awesome and amazing. Great content. 83 episodes of goodness for you. Good content. Go check it out. Well, the gospel and abortion. Let me start off with a stat here. Across the world, over 42 million abortions occur every year. That's 150,000 abortions every single day. Isn't that mind-boggling as I'm sitting here in my office going throughout my day today, knowing that across the world, 115,000 babies will be aborted? And we've heard this before, right? It's referred to as the modern day holocaust and we don't want to diminish the holocaust uh, but because there was millions of people that were there but about four million people lost their lives during the holocaust or whatever the exact statistics are but roughly that but here we're talking about 42 million abortions every single year across the world this is a travesty and we need to address it and i believe the word of god says things about it this is clearly an issue where the gospel requires us to live counterculture. Conservative estimates reveal that approximately one-third of American women have had or will have an abortion at some point in their lives. Wow. I mean, in my house, my house, I have three girls. I have my wife and I have two beautiful girls that are now becoming women to think that one of the three of them, just looking at three girls, wow, one in three women will have an abortion at some point in their lives. The goal in this podcast, and I want you to know, I don't come from a condemning approach. Hopefully it doesn't sound like that at all, is to look at how a holy God views abortion but to be equally clear about how a loving God views all of us in the gospel, all right? And so I want to encourage you again to read the book Counterculture by David Platt. A lot of my thoughts are coming from that book. Powerful read. I encourage you to read it with the Bible as well, right? All right, as you read the Bible, you won't find the word abortion anywhere, but that doesn't mean Scripture is silent about it. The core truths we've already seen in the gospel concerning who God is, who we are, and what Christ has done speak directly to the issue of abortion. Consider the way the Bible describes the relationship between God and an unborn baby. And I want to encourage you, look up these verses later on or at some point. They are powerful. And this is, I know, some of these might be the flagship kind of verses that you hear regarding abortion all the time, but they are so worthy of hearing again from God's word. Here's the first one, Psalm 139 verses 13 to 16. I'm reading out of the Amplified. It says, For you formed my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret 
and intricately and skillfully formed as if embroidered with many colors in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written. The days that were appointed for me when as yet there was not one of them every even taking shape. What a, what a powerful truth about God creating us in the womb, in, the, in our mother's womb. Uh, the core gospel truth is that God is the creator. He is the alone, has the power and authority to give life. Some more verses for you. Job 33, 4 says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty God gives me life, which inspires me. Job 12, 10 says, In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? So God is not only the giver of life, he is also the taker of life, right? He, he gives life and he takes life. We live and we die. Job one twenty one says, he said, naked without possessions, I came into this world from my mother's womb, and naked I will return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Deuteronomy thirty-two thirty-nine. See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death, and I who give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal. And there is no one who can deliver me from the power of my hand." It is God's prerogative alone as creator to give and to take innocent life. When we read those verses that were so powerful, it becomes abundantly clear that abortion is an affront to God's soul and sovereign authority as the giver and the taker of life. Here's what abortion does. It asserts human beings as the ones who control life and death when that is God's job because he's the creator and sustainer of life. Abortion is not only an affront to God's authority as creator, it is also an assault on his work in creation. Those scriptures we read from the Psalmist are even more amazing. When we consider he didn't have the medical knowledge that we have today. I mean, they didn't have a 4D ultrasounds and things of that nature. They didn't know all that we know now in terms of the gestational process, etc., and all those kind of things. It's crazy, right? Most abortions, and here's what's crazy. I, I have this, uh, I, I'm not going to read through all this, but I encourage you, you can Google all the kind of videos and things like that where you see the progress of a child from zero weeks up to the 39 weeks. And one of the amazing things is that really in the first trimester, everything is like developed, cultivated brain and lungs and heart and limbs and eyes and ears and all these kind of things. What's interesting is most abortions occur between 10 and 14 weeks of gestation, which is described as the optimal time for dismemberment and removal. And that's when, man, so much life is already there. Abortion is without question an assault on God's grand creation of a human life. The key, the key question that we must answer and the question that determines how we view abortion, and I want you to think about this, is what is contained in the womb, all right? This is really, I think this is a great question to ask. What is in the womb? Is it a person or is it merely an embryo or a fetus? What is it, right? Virtually every other question and every single argument in the abortion controversy comes back to this question, what or who is in the womb. There's a guy named Greg Kolkel that he uh, quotes in this book several times. It says, if the unborn is not a human person, no justification for abortion is necessary. If the unborn is a human person, then no justification is adequate. Wow, isn't that powerful? So, I mean, 
if we don't believe that that thing that is growing and cultivating and developing is a human, then guess what? There, there's a, we should all believe in abortion. There's no just. There's no need uh, to uh, explain it. No justification is necessary. Hey, abortion. Go ahead and do it. It's it's not a person anyway. But if it is a person, a human that is growing inside this woman, then no justification is adequate to do and to allow to have abortions, right? Imagine for a moment that the unborn person, the unborn is a person formed and created by God himself. If this is true, then think through the primary arguments for abortion that a lot of people use today. Number one, number one argument, women have a right to privacy with their doctors. And I think we would agree we all have a right to some measure of privacy, yet our laws regularly override people's privacy when another person's life is in question or in danger, right? I have the right to privacy, but when it begins to affect and violate other people, man, our laws override that. And most all of us would say, it's not right. Number two, women should have the right to choose, right? This is another one that we hear. Yet we all agree that no one should have unlimited rights to make choices. If toddlers or teenagers become burdensome or expensive, parents don't have the right to eliminate them. Uh, And I know this is a heavy topic. I'm not trying to make bad jokes, but come on, how many of you have considered eliminating your children? Nobody, right? I mean, yes, we have gotten mad. We've been frustrated, but come on. It's not that we've wanted to dispose of our children. There are some extreme cases of that, but come on. Choosing to terminate innocent life is by definition choosing to murder. And in, in our culture today, if we take an innocent life, that's murder. That That's killing someone. And we do have to understand, guys, in the term of God's creation, God cultivating and creating these unborn babies that we are, through abortion, killing children. That's that's what we're doing. Everything revolves around what is happening in a mother's womb. And scripture is clear that that womb contains a person that's being formed in the very image of God. And for all of us today, now that we're adults or no matter where we're at, we were at that point. At one point, you were growing in your mother's womb. God was creating you in his image and forming you and to make you. So abortion not only assaults God's work in creation, it also attacks God's relationship with the unborn. And I love thinking about that truth. And we're going to read some scriptures in a second. But man, even though I, I, I don't remember being in the womb, God was having a relationship. Isn't that a powerful thing? God was already starting a relationship with me when I was being formed in my mother's womb. And that's what the Bible says, Jeremiah 1.5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and approved to you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated to you myself as my own. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Wow, before, before I was formed in the womb, God knew me. He approved of me. He, he, he was already developing and cultivating a relationship with me. Psalm 22, verses 9 to 10 says, Yet you who are he who pulled me out of the womb, you made me trust when on my mother's breast. I, cast upon you from, I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. God 
reminds us in his word that though an unborn baby is visibly hidden from us, he or she is not hidden from him. Actually, God's in the mix. God's in the process of all of that. Well, the, another question or another argument then that would come up in terms of abortion that we hear today on a frequent and regular basis is, well, what about cases of incest or rape? Is that abortion justifiable in those situations? Well, we come back. Let's come back to that fundamental question. Once again, is the baby in the womb a person? Do we believe that is a person? And for us that are followers of Jesus, that have read and acknowledged these scriptures and the word of God, a person that's being created in the image of God, we would, uh, we would murder, we wouldn't murder a child outside the womb because he or she was conceived by rape, right? If that child was out of the womb, we wouldn't, we, we, we wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't murder them at that point just because it was out of the womb, not in the womb, right? How should we treat an innocent child? How do, how do we treat children that are innocent in these situations, um, children in orphanages, etc.? Well, it reminds us that we're supposed to treat them with love and mercy, right? The God of the gospel has a proven track record of working all things, including evil things, for his good purposes. And I know there's arguments and stories going back and forth, but how many stories have we heard now of children that were on the verge of being aborted uh, some through rape, some through incest, et cetera, in multitude of situations that are now have grown and become adults, productive uh, adults with powerful stories and what would have happened had that decision been made. The God of the gospel, right, is working all things, including evil things for his good purposes. For example, right, Joseph, remember the story of Joseph in the Bible? He took Joseph's brother's attempt to murder him and he turned it into the preservation of multitudes of people, including God's people and many others. I mean, they were going to kill him. They were going to murder him. But God used his life and the situation, the evil, to bring about good. He used incest to eventually bring about the very birth of Jesus. The gospel proves that we can trust God in all of his works. Abortion is an affront to God's authority as creator, an assault on God's work in creation, and an attack on God's relationship with the unborn. Once we realize the severity of abortion before God, the implications of the gospel for abortion become clear. Doesn't doesn't this become clear? And I'm not, again, I'm not waving the flag. I'm not, uh, it, it just seems clear from God's word that from conception, conception, that we are uniquely created and he's forming a human that he loves and he cares and he values and has a plan and a destiny and a purpose for. Remember, and I want you to remember all this in the process as we talk about this, that God is not only the judge of sin, but he's also the savior of sinners. And here's where I've been, I got to be honest, at times hesitant to entertain this conversation or to entertain this dialogue, because even though I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a Christian, man, there have been so many times I've been frustrated by Jesus followers and their interaction with abortion. You know, sometimes I feel like we do, we come across as condemning, hateful people. I I feel like that as a Christian, and I know they're going to People who are pro-choice are going to spin it that way anyway, because that's they got to do that. They got to make us look bad and evil. But there's been times as a follower of Jesus, I feel like, man, we're focused on the wrong thing 
you know, and it's hard. I, how many of you know it's hard, right, to balance and navigate these waters? If I'm sitting down in front of someone who is pro-choice that's not a follower of Jesus, I can't just point my finger in their face and be like, you're a baby killer, you're a baby killer. That's not going to bring them to Christ. It's not a cultivate a relationship that could draw them to Christ, most likely. So, man, I got to... I got to remember that God is a judge. And the one thing that we can, in the mix of all this stuff, is we can remember and take confidence that God is a judge and a right judge and a good judge, but he's also the savior of sinners, that God forgives entirely. You know, you might not have been a baby killer. You might not have been an abortionist. But one thing that you were is you were a sinner that needed Jesus in your life. Every one of us have been in that spot before. And we want people to know that there is forgiveness. There is complete forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Let's look at the word again. Psalm 103, verses 11 to 12. It says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear and worship him with awe-filled respect and deepest reverence. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed from our transgressions from our sins. Another one, Isaiah 43, verse 25, uh, says, if, if, if only I, if, sorry, I, only I am he who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Excuse me for messing up on that one. First John 1, 9, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness, our, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and his purpose. The good news of the gospel is that when we turn from our sin and trust in Christ, we find that he has paid the price for any part we have ever played in abortion because of his cross. We are entirely forgiven. And can I encourage you, today as we attack this topic as believers and followers of Christ, is that there are women that have had abortions that are wrestling and that are struggling. Maybe someone that will come across this podcast today listening and just saying, oh, here we go again. Someone telling me how horrible I am and my actions and the judgment of God in my life. And you know what? We need to come alongside these people, these women, these ladies, and say, you know, there's forgiveness there's a loving place. There's a loving Jesus who understands the hurt and the pain and 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 understands what was happening in your life through that process and that choice. But there's forgiveness. There's healing. There's re- redemption, full redemption in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the church will become a haven for that healing and that forgiveness that people who have gone through abortion uh, are struggling with and are trying to find hope and healing, right? The, the, the gospel, when we turn to Christ, we find that he has paid the price for, for our sins, abortion, etc., all of it. And because of his cross, we're entirely forgiven. And I love these two statements that I want to read in, uh, that I found in the book is number one, that God not only forgives entirely, but he also heals deeply. Here's the second one. He forgives entirely, he heals deeply, and he restores completely. I love a a story in in the book, Counterculture. David Platt was talking about a young lady in his church that grew up in a Christian environment, a Christian home, fell in love with a guy, got pregnant. The guy instantly left when he found out that she was pregnant, and she made the decision and the choice to have an abortion uh, and she wrestled with that. She struggled with that because of of being pregnant and 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 
what she thought other people would think and and then having that abortion how much guilt and pain that brought into her life but then she found out that there's forgiveness and that there's healing and there's restoration in the name of Jesus and she talks about how she talked about how today now that she has a ministry that she has a calling to walk with other girls that are going through the same thing and God is now using that right the God of redemption he is now working that for his good and using her story and her testimony to bring healing and restoration to the lives of countless women and families that are walking through this abortion process. To all who trust in Christ, remember this. In Christ, you are not guilty, and there is no condemnation for you. Here's the goal. Every life matters. Every single life matters, guys, to, to God. Every single one of them, right? And so I'm just praying that we will take a stand in regards to abortion. And I don't, my calling out to the followers of Jesus, to the church, is that we will not be silent on this issue. We will not waffle. We will not waver that as, to me as a pastor, as someone who has influence, that I will not be like, well, I don't want to touch that one. I don't want to get all political. Listen, this is not a political issue the abortion issue. This is a this is a life issue. This is a God issue. This is a spiritual issue, and we need to rise up. And I'm convicted about it. I shared with this as we started the whole counterculture story. I shared about a friend of mine, Greg Walden, who has started a podcast called Voice in the Modern Wilderness, and his podcast is really tackling some of these difficult and deep issues that are in our culture. And how I was just kind of convicted. Being like, you know what? I need to rise up. I need to stand up. I need to not waffle on these issues, but I need to proclaim the truth of God's word in its entirety, in the influence, the environment, in the places that I can influence and touch the lives of people. So, hey guys, God bless you. I, I'm praying for you today that you would really consider and think about this and that you would just consider how. How can you make a stand? How can you pray? You know, we always say pray for this, pray for that. Pray for it. Pray for our country. Pray for the leaders. Pray for those who oppose it, not in a bad way, but pray for it in a way that they might come to know Jesus and find salvation. And pray for young women that are struggling today. You know, think about that stat that we go back to at the beginning. 115,000 babies will be aborted today, and we need to stand in the gap for those women that are contemplating that decision, that choice, that the Holy Spirit is just going to intervene and bring about a miracle in those situations. So guys, God bless you. It's a tough topic. I know it's hard in our culture and our world, but I, I believe we're going to stand up for righteousness. I, I'm one of those people that, yes, Lord, let abortion end in America in 2019. And uh, we're just going to keep believing that God's going to do great things. So, hey, if you like this podcast, like, share, subscribe, continue to be a part of the Grace Point Daily Podcast each and every day. I will talk to you next time. 